Open your Bibles up this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 8, and I want to continue on. God really, really, really laid this message in my heart, and it's something that I believe in. It's something that, that is preached all the time, I believe, but I believe we're in a season for a miracle harvest. Now, now look at me. I want you to expect a miracle harvest in your finances. Now, last week we started with the most important part of this. Number one, everybody say number one. You have to believe it's the will of God for you to prosper. You've got to believe that. Now, every one of us knows God can prosper somebody. That's not enough. For 16 years, we knew God prospered people, but we were taught God didn't want to prosper us. As a matter of fact, we were taught that the poorer you are, the more holy you are. I want you to know something. Holiness and poverty have nothing to do with each other. Somebody shout amen. Many people, many people sitting here or many people that are watching by television, many of you have wanted to prosper, but then religious teaching has gotten in the way and you've thought, you know what, that's wicked. That's the Adamic nature that wants to drive a nice car, that wants to live in a nice house, that wants to wear nice clothes. That's, that's Satan. Listen to me. Satan don't wear nice clothes. My Bible says when Jesus comes into the temple, his, his robe, his, his, his cape fills the tavern. I got it. The devil wears red long underwear. Jesus is a snappy dresser. Somebody shout amen. See, we got to get rid of that. To, well, to, to desire nice things is, is of the devil. No. What did we read last week? It's God who gives you the power to gain wealth in your hands. Lift up your hands. Say this out loud. I have power in these hands to gain wealth from God. Now, if you believe that, give the Lord a clap offering. See that, that, and, and you know, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, polka dotted, or pinstriped. Doesn't matter if you're young or old. Somebody say amen. amen. God has given you power. You are anointed by God to gain wealth. Now, the reason why I use the first, the first step, there's four steps in prosperity. The reason I use that first one is to, because you've got to realize as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe because of religious teaching that God doesn't want you to prosper, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, and let not that man think when he prays he receives anything. In other words, we know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We know that the earth is the large and the fullness thereof. And so we begin to pray that God would financially bless us, but then we think, well, I'm not worthy. We know God owns it all, but I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I know God can, but I don't think he will. And we're double-minded, and a double-minded man won't receive anything. You need to be singly-minded. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. Somebody shout amen. Because, see, if you don't believe that, if you don't understand that, God will bring it your way and you'll walk away from it. 
No, I know what I'm talking about. I don't know if I've shared this here. You know, the church is so young. I don't know, uh, you know, what I've shared or what I haven't shared. But I remember years ago when Tiz and I finally had a breakthrough. After 17 years of pastoring, we, 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 we heard poverty. We taught poverty. We preached poverty. And it worked. <laughs> we didn't have enough extra money to pay attention. A guy came into my church and through the message, a businessman, a young businessman, and God saved his marriage, healed his marriage. So he, he asked if he could see me, and so we were in the back after the service, and he said, you know, Pastor, the Word of God and your teaching has saved my wife and I, to, and, and we're still together, and I want to bless you. And I thought, well, you know, that's nice. You know, he's going to give me a $20 bill or something like that. And he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out some car keys. And he tosses them to me. And I look at them, and they've got a Mercedes-Benz al- uh, uh, emblem on it. See, as soon as I said Mercedes, some of you got to that choke level. No preacher ought to drive a Mercedes. Well, if a preacher can't drive a Mercedes, he can't take you where you've never been. How many believe it's okay for you to drive a Mercedes? then it's okay for me to drive a Mercedes. Say amen. And so he tossed me these keys, and I looked at him, I said, what's this? He said, God told me to give you. He's a big, new big black Mercedes, 500 series out there in the... A couple days later, I was down with Creflo Dollar and down with some other guys, and we were having lunch, and we were doing a conference and having lunch, and we we're all talking about this and that, and I, and I told them the story. I said, you know, yesterday in the church, somebody, guy in my church tossed me the keys to a Mercedes, and they said, oh, man, it drives good, doesn't it? Man, there, once you drive a Mercedes, there's no going back. And I said, I don't know. You'd have thought I spit on the birthday cake. I said, I don't know. They all looked at me and they said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, I didn't take it. They said, you didn't take it. I said, no. What? God didn't want me driving a Mercedes. What, what would God think? He said, man, God's trying to give you that car. Now, see, see, it was religious teaching. Some, some of you are right there. I can feel the, feel the smoke coming out of your ears. Who gave the ability to make Mercedes-Benz? Now, I know there are people watching by television going, oh, he's talking. I'm not just talking about a Mercedes. I'm talking about if you want a new truck, God can give you. Somebody's going to drive a new truck. Why not the children of God? Somebody's going to live in a house debt-free. Uh, am I telling you the truth? So I said, I said you, mean, you mean God wouldn't mind if I drove a Mercedes? You know, Malachi said all the world will call you blessed. Isn't that what it says? The, the world's not going to call you blessed if you're driving a 72 Datsun pickup truck. Oh, man, I want what you got. No, but when you're blessed, they're going to say, why are you so blessed? Say, don't you know I serve Jesus Christ? He's my Lord and my Savior. Is it okay to tell you this? So all of a sudden, man, I had that religious curse broke off of me. I went back. I said, you mean it's okay for me to drive a Mercedes? They said, man, if somebody's giving you Mercedes, what's wrong with that? 
See, that religious mentality. Next Sunday, I couldn't wait to leave the conference. Get back to church. Open your Bibles. <laughs> to the book of John. I'm looking for my connection. John 7, verse... Th- brother, you still got them keys? He held out. I said, hook the brother up. I came in in a Chevy and left in a Mercedes. Number one, you got to realize it is your father's good. You know, and man, I've got to get on my message, but you got to realize he is not El Get By. Well, all God wants you to do is drive just something to get you to church. You got to break that church mentality. You got to break that church mentality. All right, let's get into, into step number two, Genesis chapter 8, starting with verse 22. While the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest time, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Now, let me ask you a very deep spiritual question Is the earth still remaining? Half of you said yes, and half of you are wondering if that was a trick question. (laughs) The earth is still here. So as long as the earth is here, there will be cold and heat. There will be winter and summer. There will be day and night, and it shall not cease. Can I have a loud amen? But the other principle is, and we've got to understand this, just as there will be day and night, cold and heat, summer and winter, There is seed time and harvest time. Now, a few days ago, I flew in last night, and and the reason was is some folks that that have been on the board of this church up up when New Beginnings was up in Portland, and uh, the other brother has been the uh, attorney for our ministry. They've been after me for years to go with them to go pheasant hunting up in North Dakota. And so uh, I I went up there and, and hunted pheasant for two days up in North Dakota, and, and yesterday uh, I had to go back to the airport so I could get home last night and be here this morning, and their, their 80-year-old uncle, Kate, uncle took me to the airport. Now, he got saved in the military. He's a farmer, got saved in World War II, and is worth lots and lots of money, has, has uh, land in farms in nine states, Owns, he's an 80-year-old guy driving a pickup truck, new pickup truck, <laughs> taking me, got bib overalls on or, or, or you know, coveralls and stuff. You, you never know to look at him. Owns housing developments, owns trailer courts, owns uh, 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 the, the, the companies that sell the tra- in North Dakota. Owns land all the way from North Dakota down to Texas. Matter of fact, just bought a house in Rockwall. And so we're driving. He's 80 years old. Uh, an elder in the church uh, rides his motor, his his gold wing in the um, uh, uh, motorcycle for Christ Club. <laughs> Took up piloting when he was, I think, fifty-five years old. Decided to become a pilot, but phenomenally blessed, phenomenally blessed. And so he's driving me to the airport yesterday, and I said to him, I said, John, let me ask you something. Why do you think it is, aside that you're a Christian, why do you think it is you're so blessed? 
He, he was telling me, I'm able to leave this for my children. I'm able to leave this for my grandchildren. And you know, that's biblical. The Bible says that God wants you to be so blessed that you leave an inheritance for your children's children. Now, I need a better amen than that. You need to realize what God is saying. You got you to change the way you think. God doesn't want you just so blessed that you're taken care of. He wants you so blessed that your children's children are taken care of. Give me a loud amen on that. And he was telling me about that. So I said, what do you think the key is? I, I aside that you're a Christian, because there's a lot of Christians that aren't seeing this. What's the key? He said, I got saved during World War II, rededicated my life, raised in a Christian family, rededicated his life in World War II. And he said, Pastor Larry, he said, I'm a farmer. He said, I'm, I, have, I, I farm land from, from uh, North Dakota down to Texas. And he said, you know, it doesn't do any good if I just own the land. I've got to plant the land. And he said, I realize that if I don't plant seed, even though I own the land, I can't get a harvest. And so he said, back in World War II, when the Lord saved me, he said, I vowed every week to give 10% to the church, 10% to missions, and then whenever God would speak to me, I would obey him. And he said, since I've done that, this is in World War II, he said, just opportunities come my way. God just brings them. Now, he's in North Dakota. If God can bring opportunities of blessing in North Dakota, just think what he can do in the big D. Come on, somebody shout amen. Let me give you three keys to your seed. Number one is when it comes to seed, you've got to be able or willing to obey. How many have ever heard of Dr. Cho over in Korea? largest church in the history of the world. They asked Dr. Cho, I read it in his book years ago, they asked Dr. Cho, why do you see so many miracles? And he said simply, I pray and I obey. Now what does that mean? I ask God, what do you want me to do? And then when God tells me, I do it. I pray and then I obey. See, too many of us are, I pray and then I say, what? It's like Moses, when God spoke to him to go and face Pharaoh. You need to grab the power of this story. Moses, God speaks to Moses. Here's a burning bush. And see, this is the way you and I are. Here's a burning bush. God is speaking to Moses out of a bush that's burning and not being consumed. Now, you would think that we would, we would, we, if we had an experience like that, we would just immediately do whatever that burning bush said. And God says to Moses, I want you to go do this. What does Moses say? Who am I? See, that's what, when God speaks to us about planting a seed, when God speaks to us, see, this is why people ask me all the time, they say, why in the world would you leave Portland, building a building, successful church, four or 5,000 people on television, and you and your wife get up, take the family, and move to Texas, and start all over again? Why? Because God said so. And when God says to do something, he is, as Tiz said this morning, he's not a taker, he's a giver. Somebody shout amen. Had I said no, I would have still been in Portland. I'd have had a wonderful church, but I would not have the destiny that God has for me and God has for you. I pray and then I 
Shout it out loud. I pray and then I Moses said, what do you want me to do? God said, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Moses' response was, who am I? I can't. I'm too weak. And what was God's response? Listen to this. It's not who you are. It's who I am. And wherever you go, I'm going with you. The key to being blessed is obeying the voice of God. What did the prophet say in 1 Samuel chapter 15? He said, to obey is better than sacrifice. Look, look at me. Now, th- this throws people, but what does that mean? To obey is better than sacrifice. God doesn't need our money. Whether we're building a church or going into all the world or, or, or whatever it is, you know, preaching the gospel, God doesn't need it. He can bring a gold coin out of a fish's mouth. He could open up the the, the roof of this building and pour out gold. Sure wouldn't make my job easier. It's not the sacrifice that God's looking for. It's the obedience. Why? Because obedience is an evidence of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of of things not yet seen. So when we, it's like Peter getting out of the boat. Jesus spoke to everybody. Everybody in the boat heard it. If it be you, Lord, bid me come. But only Peter got out of the boat. Didn't make sense, did it? Everybody saw Goliath. Everybody saw the giant. Everybody heard the promises of God. Everybody heard what the, what the king said. That whoever kills this giant, you get a a bunch of money and you marry my daughter, which makes you in line for the throne. But most everybody, see, that's why the Bible says many are called, but only a few become the chosen ones. God's no respecter of persons. He didn't go around saying uh, 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 little, little, lot, little. Why does the Bible say some 30, some 60, some 100 fold? If God is no respecter of persons, why does he say some 30, some 60, some 100? It's our obedience. Because, do you understand? He can't be a respecter of persons, or or he must be. If he says, well, I'm going to give you 100, but I'm going to give you 60, I'm going to give you 30. That's a respecter. It's not our sacrifice, it's our obedience. When David got there and saw the, the Goliath, what did he say? He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What does uncircumcised mean? Has no covenant with God. When that Goliath rises up and tells you not to obey what God's telling you to do, you need to say, devil, shut up. I have a covenant by the blood of Jesus Christ for my seed to bring me a hundredfold. Somebody shout amen. To obey. Everybody say obey. To obey is better than sacrifice. See, it takes faith to get out of a boat in the middle of a storm. It takes faith to go after a giant with a slingshot and a rock. It takes faith to walk around the walls of Jericho. See, God's ways are not our ways. Do you ever wonder why God said when you walk around the walls of Jericho, shut up, don't say nothing. They're looking, at, they're looking at these walls. They're, they're thick enough 
for three chariots to drive across. The enemy's up there. So they go before the Lord and they say, Lord, show us how to defeat the enemy. God said, okay, I got a plan. Okay, Lord, what is it? You're going to give us a mighty weapon? No. You're going to bring a great storm? No. You're going you're to bring a plague and wipe them out? No. What is it, Lord? Walk around the walls. Have you got another plan? Isn't that the way we are? Lord, bless me. Okay, plant this seed. Is there anybody else up there? Why did God say when you walk around the walls, shut up? Because most people be doing what you and I do. This don't make any sense. You know what? I've, I've seen people walk around walls before and they never fell down before. You know, I, my uncle walked around the walls and never fell down. I know somebody walked around the walls and backslid. Right? What was Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. Wasn't a miracle of blind eyes. Wasn't a miracle of healing a leper. Wasn't a miracle of raising a dead. It was a miracle of making someone happy. But what was the key? Jesus' mother said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Why did she say that? Because Jesus said, go bring me water pots used for the purifying of the Jews. They would have probably said, why bring the water pots? Why don't we bring the wine vessels? Because you can put new wine in an old wine vessel. you got to put it in something that is alive with the power and the promises of God. Somebody shout amen. To obey is better than sacrifice. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me show you something. Everybody say obey. See, it's not, our, it's not our sacrifice. It's the obedience that God is looking for. If we're faithful in a little, guess what will make us faithful over? Every time God speaks to you, every time the offering plate goes by, you need to hear this voice. This is a test. <laughs> now, let me help you on something. And this sounds, this sounds bizarre, but it's true. If you can't tithe on $100 a week, you'll never tithe on 100000 Oh, no, if I had $100,000, I'd give to... No, no, figure it out. That's 10000 plus an offering. If you can't give $10... Listen, you could walk down the street and find $10. Right? But for God to repay you 10000 it takes more faith. You can't bench press 300 if you can't bench press 50. Faith is a muscle. It's a spiritual muscle that you've got to learn how to develop. Everybody say obey. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse, look at verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now I want you to look at that. You're in a war. You're in a war for your family. You're in a war for your life. You're in a war for your finances. The weapons of our warfare, we're in a war, but God has given us weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Now look at me a second. There is a war going on in every area, but we're talking about finances right now. 
There is a war going on for your finances. Amen? How many of you love the Lord? How many, if, if God made you wealthy and canceled your debt, you would give more to the kingdom of God than you do right now? All right? So the devil's going to try to stop that. Is that fair to say? If you're going to do more, if you're going to do more to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then the devil is going to try to stop you from having more. So there is a war going on for your money. The devil wants you poor. The devil wants you limited. The devil wants you under a ceiling of containment. But then God says the weapons of that war are not of this world. Now look at me. The weapons doesn't mean, well, I'm going to get a second job. Or I'm going to work 80 hours a week. No, 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 no. God doesn't want you working 80. God doesn't want you doubling your hours. God wants you to have people working for you so you can work more for the kingdom of God. Oh, somebody shout amen. Some of you got that and some of you didn't. But then he says the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. To get ahead is not to double our work time or to work even harder or whatever. Look what he says. Here's what our weapons are. Casting down imaginations. Some of the interpretation is arguments. Casting down arguments are imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought, say every thought, say every thought, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience, obey, of Christ. This, this, this 80-year-old gentleman said, I'm a farmer. I cannot expect a harvest on my land if I don't plant seed. So when God speaks to you, now watch this. God knows what you have need of even before you ask. He knows the miracle that's coming in January. He knows the breakthrough that's coming in December. He knows the, 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 the enemy that wants to attack you in February. So in November, he tells you to plant a seed because he knows what you need before you know. No, is anybody this listen this is how the miracle works he knows what you have need of before you ask listen the moment you know you're sick you ask for a healing the moment you hear about uh, uh, them canceling your your job you ask for a blessing he knows what you need before you know do you understand so what he'll do is he'll speak to you He'll speak to me. Listen, I don't know where this ministry is going a year from now, but God does. See, see, I go through the same thing, but what does God say? Your ways are not my ways. Cast down. Everybody say cast down. You got to take thoughts that rise up above the word of God and, and, and you don't just push them aside. You cast them down. You shatter, it literally means to shatter, to destroy. 
When the devil says to you, you know what? Your kids are so bound by drugs, they're never going to get saved. You need to grab those thoughts and you say, me and my family will be saved. And you cast them down. Oh, somebody shout amen. When, When the doctor says, there's no hope. I'm sorry, it's terminal. You need to grab those thoughts that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. The devil says your family will never get saved. But God says you and your family will be saved. The devil says you're going to die of this. But God says by my stripes you are healed. The devil says you're always going to be poor. But the word of God says, beloved, I would above all things that you prosper. Good measure. pressed down. Shaking together. Overflowing. Somebody shout amen. Can I, can, I, can I get real with you? And if I don't say this right, then you forgive me. The devil will say, well, you know what? You're just a woman in a man's world. And you need to cast that down and say, that's right. What the devil has kept back from us women, my father is going to give back to us seven times over. Somebody shout amen. Can I get real? Can can I get real? The devil will say, you know what? You're a black man in a white man's world. And you need to cast that down and say, I am a black man who is the son of the living God. And it's my father's good pleasure to give me. Somebody shout amen. Can I tell you what the devil's going to say? The devil's going to say, you know what? You're just a Mexican. You're just an Hispanic. Why your family came across. Listen, some of us floated across. Some of us were brought across. Some of us swam across. But we're all here by the will of God. And it's the Mexican turn to be blessed. Somebody shout amen. The devil's going to say to you, you know what? You're past your prime. You know what? You're just, you're too, this is, this, this prosperity for a young man. You're beyond that. But you know what my Bible says? Everything your father should have had. Everything your grandfather should have had. The wealth is laid up for you. Somebody shout amen. Somebody shout obey. You got, you got to cast down. Listen, what God, if, if what God tells you to do, Make sense, it's not God. I like what somebody said. If, if, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much room. Listen, Christianity is either the biggest bore or the greatest adventure. It's safe in the boat. It's safe. The other 11 apostles or disciples were in the boat. Jesus said, come. They go, "Mm, mm, mm-mm-mm. Don't make no sense walking on no water. Uh Uh-uh, I ain't coming. Bringing in the sheaves. Bringing kumbaya, John. Kumbaya. Peter goes, I'm going out. And you know what? When, When somebody says, I'm going out, you know what the rest of the brothers do? Now, brother. You got to use your God-given. 
God-given common sense, right? Listen, when it comes to a miracle of God, common sense has nothing to do with it. Christianity is an adventure. In business, they tell you the highlight of insanity is to do the same thing today that you did yesterday and expect something different to happen tomorrow. This is an adventure. And the thing that's exciting is is that you and I are living at the end of that adventure. You and I are living where the windows of heaven will be open, where the outpouring of God is going to come, where when the Lord comes, we're going out the head and not the tail. We're going out the lender, not the borrower. Blind eyes are going to see. Cripples are going to walk. Leprosy is going to be healed. Age is going to be healed. You and I get to be what Daniel and Ezekiel long to see. Somebody shout, this is fun. I want to challenge you. Get out of the boat. Cast down imaginations. Cast them down that exalt themselves above the voice of God. Exalt themselves above what God says. How many have ever heard that's the greatest, oh, that's the oldest trick there is? That's, oh, that's the, that's the oldest trick in the book. That's the oldest trick in the book. You know what the oldest trick in the book is? The oldest trick in the book The oldest in the book, has God said? Old Slewfoot comes sliding on in. God speaks to you. Start confessing your husband will get saved. Start thanking God that you're already healed. Start praising God that your kids are not only going to come to church and be bored, but they're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. And God will raise them up to be great men and women of God. And boy, you start believing it. And then the devil comes in and he says, has God said? You got to cast down imaginations. Nobody can do it for you. Only you can do it. I'm telling you, the third week we were here, we came down here. Everything's new. The building's new. We got great ushers. Didn't know one usher. I'm looking around. Don't know anybody. I'm driving home. And I said to my family, what in the world am I doing here? The devil tried to slide into my imagination. But Anna, my daughter, said, Dad, God spoke to us to come. And our God is a giver, not a taker. I said, you're right. And I grabbed those thoughts and I threw them down. And look where we are today. And devil, look out where we're going tomorrow. Somebody shout amen. But I'm going to tell you something. I've got on the armor of God. And I am going to war. I don't want to just preach prosperity. I want to hear the testimonies of prosperity. I want to hear the miracles of prosperity. I want to see the breakthrough in your life. If you believe you're going to get a miracle, give the Lord a shout right now. Give the Lord a shout right now. Hallelujah. Say this out loud. I fully expect. For my Father in heaven to give to me and you good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and overflowing. Not someday, but today. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a clap offering. 
Thank you for listening to this anointed message. For more information about this ministry or to order other teaching resources, visit LarryHuckMinistries.com or write to Post Office Box 610-890, Dallas, Texas 75261. And when in Dallas, join Pastor Larry and Tiz Huck for church at DFW New Beginnings.